Welcome to the Birthing Instincts Podcast. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm Bliss Young, a licensed midwife. Join us in our conversational style podcast where we talk about everything birth. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but we're happy that you're here. So here we go. This, this is a Soul Fire production. production. Good morning. You look great. Oh, thanks. Good morning. So you're in a new location. Let's tell tell us about it. Um, I am back in Santa Barbara. I'll be back on call on Wednesday. Um, and uh, I'm subleasing a little bungalow in Santa Barbara. So I just got here last night. Um, it's lovely, and it'll be it'll be a a partial rooting grounding. Like you know, it's not totally mine. It's at some it's furnished with other people's stuff, but I brought little things here and there to make it my own, you know? Does it have a guest room or a hammock in the back for Dr. Stu? <laughs> it has a guest room. We, we should put a hammock in the back. It's got a little teepee um, and then Hope will be in the driveway. So I've got a couple of different options for guests, but you're welcome to come. You know what my son got me for my birthday, along with a bunch of other stuff, was a double hammock. Nice to, uh, to put into the beast. So when I get the beast back, but I maybe I'll just put it in the back of the VW and come up and hang it up and hang out with you. Come on up. I've got a gift for you for the next time we record together. Okay. Well, that will that'll yeah. be soon. I'm going to be going to South Carolina tomorrow. And uh, of course, by the time this comes out, as always, it'll be two weeks ago. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll bring we'll give an update on that. And other than that, uh, things have been quiet since last week for me. I've had a really quiet time. I had I did one um, DNC for somebody with a blighted ovum. Uh, we ha- I have the ability to do that at a birth center locally here. Oh, and I didn't know that. Often we give pre-meds for that. She didn't want it anyway. But I found out that um, there's no IV fentanyl. Uh, which is a pre-med we use sometimes with Versed and Reglan. And it's not available. So I think probably it's not available to private offices. I think hospitals can still get it. But it's just an interesting thing. It kind of makes me laugh and people probably know where I'm going with this is that it's not available um, for doctors to use in their office. But if you go down to the Mexican border, it's coming across in uh, <laughs> in droves. <laughs> different, kind of, <laughs> different kind of fentanyl, but same drug. Just yeah, so we can't use yeah. that that kind of fentanyl. But I just think that the whole idea that we now have shortages and there's shelves on the grocery store that are empty and you can't get parts, like the beast is having trouble getting finished, getting fixed because they can't get parts for it. Yeah, yeah. When I needed stuff for Hope, uh, I was getting charged like three times what it was just a few months before that. So um, while we're on the subject of uh, a blighted ovum, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about um, loss, and I just think it's interesting. I mean, obviously, you don't need to go into the specifics of this personal uh, client, but it's just interesting um, to to share maybe why some people with a blighted ovum might choose to do a DNC, and why some women, I mean, like you know, might wait for a natural release. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't like try to change the term blighted ovum because that's one of those terms that you probably hate, but I don't know what else we can come up with. So it's just, you know, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. I mean, blight reminds you of what potatoes, that sort of thing. So <laughs> I don't know, but we'll think of it. We'll think yeah, of one. We'll think of one. Okay. So briefly, I just, I want to, before I do that, I want to just mention that the theme today for people that are just tuning in is um, going to be sort of more medical gaslighting and outright lying continuing because pretty much every letter and every news story or everything we're going to talk about today has to do with those themes and in some way or another. And I think the people are waking up and need to know that. But let's answer your question real quick. Um, Most of our clients are going to want to wait. That's just what they're going to want to do. They, 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 They trust their body to do as what it's supposed to do. And about 80, maybe 90% of the time, it's sort of like a number I'm just pulling out of a hat that the body will take care of itself. About how long does it take, Stu? Like 
if you, if it hasn't been by this amount of time, you should maybe consider. Well, I don't know that there's a time limit because I don't think the risk to your body of infection or scarring or anything actually really increase if it's just sitting there um, doing nothing. But ultimately, it gets, it gets to your mind. Yeah, uh, and you want it, you just you want to get it over with. You want to move on. You want to even even if you're trying you want to try again, you've got to let your uterus heal and your hormones return to normal. So, um, no, normally it, it happens within a, you know, the falling HCG levels, the bleeding starts, cramping gets bad, and the thing happens completely about 80, 85% of the time. Small percentage of those people are going to have what's called an incomplete miscarriage. They're going to end up needing to go have a DNC because they're bleeding way too heavily. And then a, a certain percentage are going to have nothing happen. It's just going to sit there and sit there and sit there. And it may be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. Um, Ultimately, I think that what we're taught in medicine is that if it's been there for several weeks, that probably it's best to get it out. Some people will follow blood levels of HCG to determine if it's falling. And as long as it's falling, then it makes sense to get it out. I mean, it makes sense to just let it continue. But if it's plateaued or it's even rising a little bit, then it's probably better to get it out. Um, it's unlikely that something with a low HCG level, like five, six, 7,000 is going to have some sort of malignant tissue in it, like a molder pregnancy or something called really rare, rare called a choriocarcinoma, but those things can happen. So sometimes, you know, it just pays to get it out and move up, move onward, but there is no, you know, you and I don't work with algorithms. There is no algorithm. It's really what the, what the woman wants to do. And, uh, some women want it out right away. The minute they find out there's something wrong and they're in the medical model. Doctor offers them a DNC the next day. Some yeah. people do it in their office. That's what we do. Um, other people will take you to a surgery center where it's a much bigger deal. Uh, but the procedure itself is pretty straightforward. Medically speaking, it's uncomfortable. And, um, um, and it's also obviously there's psychological issues that go along with that as you, as you so eloquently talked about last time. So does that answer your question? Yeah. And I've actually been to you um, in the office when you did it a couple of times. So I've, I've watched the procedure. Um, so yeah, I remember that was the, I think that was the old office, right? In Century City, right? So I have oh, a correction. The old I, office. I have a correction. Um, oh, go ahead. Okay. Oh, you go ahead. And then I'm going to check in about a couple of things. Okay. You're breaking up just a little bit. So um, my correction is a very simple one, but, but cartoon aficionados will be very upset with me because I talked about the Wayback Machine with Mr. Peabody and I said, Simon. And the minute I said the word, I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't remember what it was. And it's actually Sherman. It's Mr. Peabody and Sherman, not Simon. So I apologize to any Mr. Peabody and Sherman fans out there for getting, for saying Simon instead of Sherman. I think That's it was awesome. one of those days I was post-call and I was a little tired, so. Yes, you were. Yeah. We were lucky to even have you, for sure. I have um, uh, some letters from um, uh, Raquel, our Be Back After Three, that I read. But did you say you had something you wanted to? Yeah, I just wanted to tell you a couple of things. So one, now that I'm back uh, in my little place, look what I'm going to get to do. Oh, puzzling again. I get to puzzle. I'm so Yay. And, um, you know, I mentioned on uh, the podcast a couple of weeks ago that I have this feeling that at some point I'm going to be giving up my license. And I went to a psychic while I was in Sacramento. And, you know, the funny thing is I was very like, I'm always a little skeptical. Um, so I don't give a lot away. I want them to tell me thing so I can test, you know? And he said, one of the very first questions he asked me, he's like, do you have a degree or like a certificate or, you know, something? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a licensed midwife. And he said, they're telling me that there's two. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm an LM and a CPM. Right. So that was one of the things. And at some point he said, um, I think I mentioned that I was thinking about giving up my license. And he told me that I would be in another state, which I know that I can't do it in Cal, or I'm not thinking about doing it in California. Although I have had a bunch of other midwives say, 
I'm waiting for somebody to do it successfully so that I can follow suit. So I think that there's a bunch of us here in California who feel that way. Um, and he said that I would not have any issues. So giving up my license, that there would not be any problem. So that was nice to hear. That, that's exciting. And you know, ever since I got back from Sedona, I've been pondering about places like Arizona or Tennessee where midwives can still do breaches as a place for me because then I could set up a center of some kind, just even if it's a lesser uh, center than the Indie Birth big project, but someplace where I could do breaches where the midwives could do the breaches and I could just sort of be the mentor and I wouldn't have to be, you know, there for every single delivery and on call for every single delivery. So, you know, that's been in my future somewhere. It's, It's out there someplace. That's smart for you. Any, um, the other thing I the other thing I wanted to mention is that you and I are both part of a symposium. It's a free online summit. Um, people who actually trust birth. So um, you guys should check that out um, on our Instagram accounts um, and uh, see all the amazing lineup of people who are um, talking. And it's free, so why not? Why not? And they, yeah, they'll find it on our Instagram accounts. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed my interview. It was one of the shorter ones I did because I think we were limited by time, which is it's different for me. <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually I can monologue the whole time. So a couple of quick things. Um, follow-ups. What's your offer? What's my off? Oh, What's my offer was a, um, like, I don't really know what my um, gift is. You got me on the spot. I can't remember because there's nothing I could really give to every single person. What, what do I have? I can't give a t-shirt or a book or a consult. So what did you do? Well, um, we directed people to the traditional, to the bridge midwives project, because that's really my passion project right now. Um, and what people are getting is a, um, PDF that has, um, crystals and gems that have been used traditionally by birth workers. Um, through the beginning of time. So, and the ways that they're used. So they should go and check it out. Okay. Uh, long as you're back in Santa Barbara, just a real quick update. Any more news on Santa Barbara's VBAC issue? Nothing yet, but I will keep you all posted as we continue to turn the screws. Okay. Cause I just love the sentence that I can't remember who said it, whether it was in the newspaper, what that said, VBAC is not a privilege that you have to wait for. And you know what I'm saying, right? That, that, that they're saying, yeah. well, when we get more people involved and blah, 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 then we'll do it. It's like, no, you don't have, you know, you can't tell us we have to wait for your administrative crap to do something that we're entitled to. Yep. Agreed. It's not a concierge service. <laughs> no. Okay. So, no. um, so Raquel, the VBAC after three, bicornate uterus, breech, water birth mom. Who's <laughs> we need a we need a shorter shorter uh, intro title for her. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah she's well she's famous now. Um, yeah, she's she she writes to me. This was last week. She wrote, uh, "I started to write this as a text, but realized it was more appropriate for email." I listened to the newest podcast yesterday, and it made me cry hearing you tell Adelina's story. First mm-hmm. things first. My daughter, Elise, which is her older daughter, who was listening with me, would like me to clarify that she was actually my only baby to turn head down. But as you know, once a C-section, always a C-section, because I said all three of her previous babies were also breached. That was incorrect. Mm-hmm. And her daughter, <laughs> her daughter wants correct. to know that she's different. So there. Okay. <laughs> I love it. At first, I laughed a little when she told me to call you because I had no idea she had such a strong feeling about it. But she says it's because it's an important part of her story. That all of my births, she said, would have been allowed the chance to come in the world naturally. So I promised her I would tell you. But also, I think I'm finally understanding the gravity of what happened in my living room two weeks ago. And now I just want to give you the biggest hug. I went to my daughter's dance performance last night and had so many moms come up to me to talk about my birth story. One mom told me how her three babies were all forced C-sections because she too was never given the opportunity to be back. She told me how happy she was for me and that In a way, she feels a small sense of redemption through my story. Like my fight for the birth I wanted was a fight for all the mamas who were told no. And she thanked me. We hugged 
and I couldn't keep the tears from falling down my face. Another mama told me how they shared my birth photos with their daughter to show them what birth used to be like for our grandmas and how it should be today. That it was beautiful to see a placenta on social media and a mama being surrounded by family and friends during labor. She hopes her daughter can have the same experience someday. I love it. I know. There's more. And another mom who doesn't even go on social media often, but would check it just to follow my story. She was so excited for me and so happy. She couldn't help but give me a giant hug and tell me how proud of me she was. The impact that you guys have on each mama you help to bring their babies into this world goes well beyond just another birth. You help us take back our power back from a system that clearly thinks we need to be rescued and mansplained through pregnancy. The power we take back then sends a ripple effect to others in so many different ways. It's beautiful. I feel so fortunate yeah. to be one of those mamas and will be forever be grateful to you and the work that you do. Goosebumps. She, had, she added another addendum on a second little email that she sent me, or maybe it was a text message. But again, I want to get back to the point of my theme of this thing, of the medical gaslighting and the outright lying that continues, because that one woman said that she had to, she was told that she had to have C-sections. And this is going to be a theme in just about every letter I read today or every uh, news topic. So uh, Raquel goes on and says, Adelina went to her first pediatrician appointment today. Doctor didn't see, <laughs> she says, doctor didn't seem as excited as us that the baby was born breach at home. Uh-huh. He says, quote, she didn't get stuck, unquote, followed by a lot of silence. <laughs> and, she, nope. and she says, yes, we declined all their tests, but they're looking into the foot poke because she says it's the law that they get it done. All right. Is it the law, Bliss? Uh, no, they can decline it. Absolutely. Yeah. The law Absolutely. is they have to be offered it. Right. Yes. Okay. So uh, just, again, each time I read a letter, you're going to see why that, that fits the theme or pretty much fits the theme today. So this, this letter is from FemFit Redding. And I'm assuming that's somebody up in Redding, California. She's a twin mom in Chico. Oh, a twin mama in Chico went into labor at 39 weeks. She tested positive for COVID upon hospital arrival, although she wasn't sick. They took the babies and flew them to Sacramento and are telling her she can't leave the hospital until she's negative. And she can't see the babies until 10 days after that. This is absolutely outrageous and asinine to me. Is there anything she can do to refuse, advocate, leave, or be with her babies? I can't see your face right now because you're off video, but I can imagine the look on your face. Yeah, I'm here. I know <laughs> she can't, they took her babies away from her. She yeah. can't leave the hospital until she's negative. What is she in prison? And she can't see the babies until 10 days after that. Who, who made that? Who decides that stuff? Yeah, that's crazy. But they can, they can uh, keep you away from your baby because you, you have COVID. Um, that seems insane. Yeah, you know, it's really what's really sick about it is that um, I think I have a letter later on about skin to skin, or maybe that's on another podcast, um, and how important it is, and how no, I think it's in this one. We'll get to it. I think we'll get to it. So um, I'll just hold that hold that off for a second. We'll get to more absurdities in a second. Um, I had lunch the other day with uh, my old accountant who's now retired, named Phil, and I was talking to him. And he's a really bright guy, but he doesn't follow independent news sources. He only follows, you know, mainstream news sources or app news sources. So you've heard of, you've heard of SADS, right, Bliss? Say it again. What is it? SADS, S-A-D-S, Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. Oh, I think you mentioned it before. Yeah. Okay, so he had never heard of it, mm -hmm. which is interesting. So he goes on his iPhone and he goes to his news app, Apple News app, and searches. I ask him to search the news app for SADS, either S A D S or S period, A period, D period, S period. Yeah. And it doesn't come up. 
Interesting. And, and then we, you search uh, Bing or Google or DuckDuckGo, and it's like the first thing that comes up. So Apple yeah. is preventing people who only use their news app from knowing about something where people are dropping dead in their eight, the 18 to 40 range at rates that have been never seen before. And nobody knows what's happening or why. Yeah. yeah. I love that you, uh, you know, kind of point high, highlighted that for him, but unfortunately one person at a time, you know, it's going to be very difficult to open the eyes. Yeah. Well, I mean, our listeners know this stuff, but uh, it is amazing to me that here's a guy who is very well educated. He's a smart guy yeah. and he's not, yeah. he's not losing his mental faculties at all and had never heard of it. Well, you know, it's so interesting because the woman that I was staying with in Sacramento is also a brilliant, I mean, she's a brilliant woman. And, uh, you know, we had a conversation about one of my friends getting COVID and she said, oh, she didn't, she didn't get the vaccination. And I said, honey, that doesn't prevent you from, from getting COVID. I said, the president got COVID. She said, yeah, but he sees, you know, thousands of people. And I said, the point is, is that with all of the boosters and all of the masks and all of that, people are still getting COVID. And it was like news to her, you know? And it seemed pretty shocking to me that, but. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned this, I was gonna mention this later, but you know, uh, the the president has been vaxxed four times. He's gotten two shots and two boosters. Yeah. Then he got COVID again for the second time. Then they put him on Paxlovid, which we talked about briefly as a danger, I think it's a dangerous drug, which has rebound effects. And it's very mm-hmm. well known that Paxlovid on day eight to 10, probably it, a lot of people are rebounding. Sure what do you enough, mean by re, what do you mean by rebounding? When coming you say down rebounding? with coming down with COVID again. Uh, All right. Mm-hmm. So what did the, what happened to the president? Well, he just tested positive again. So he rebounded. Okay. Yeah. But what makes this story even more absurd is the government wants to make Paxlovid available without prescription at your local pharmacist while still suppressing ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Oh yeah, they'll sell a ton of it. Right, but they wanna, they wanna make a, by the way, this, this medicine has at least 120 interactions with other drugs. And they want people to just go, be able to go in and buy it without having to talk to their doctor about it. Yeah, now, amazing. I don't care that certain doctors don't talk to their patients about it because they wouldn't tell them about the side effects anyway because they're just blindly following, as you say, regurgitating the data. But the idea yeah. that you're going to make this medicine, which doesn't really work well, has rebound, costs a fortune, is making the drug companies rich, um, and you're going to make it like you can walk in and buy it without talking to your doctor while you're taking, I mean, you know, other people of many ages are on many different brands of medication. And, and, but, you're not, but you can't get ivermectin. This is just another one of these gaslighting, absurdity, lying points of view. And since you brought up the president, I just thought it would be worthwhile to, to mention that, you know, he, he got COVID, he took Paxlovid, he got COVID again, and now they want to make Paxlovid available to you because it works so well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Insanity. Um, it, it is insanity. And, and back to Phil's point of, uh, about not knowing about sudden adult death syndrome, um, the uh, Dell Bigtree's ICANN, which is not the same as our ICANN, his stands for um, uh, Informed Consent Action Network, and ours stands for International International Caesarean. Um, what's the A? <laughs> International Caesarean something association. Something. Uh, I forgot. Oh well. Association. No. No. Awareness. Awareness Network. There you go. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. International Caesarean Awareness Network. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brain is too full of stuff. So right. Get it out. Get it out. He says that insurance companies, which have no dog in that fight other than to be, because, you know, it's a money thing for them, are reporting a shocking increase in the number of deaths in working age people for 2021. Indiana Life Insurance CEO says deaths are up 40% among people ages 18 to 64. Now, we're not in a war yet. 
Um, there's no other thing that's causing 18 and 64 year olds to, to drop dead. They aren't all watching the ring on uh, some movie where you drop dead if you watch it or whatever. So you got 40% increase. How do you in know? Well, I don't know. <laughs> the fifth largest life insurance company in the U.S. paid out 163% more for deaths of working people ages 18 to 64 in 2021. The rise in deaths is extremely disturbing. The mainstream media is covering it up. ICANN and the highway are bringing you the absolute truth. So, by the way, if you're looking to something to donate to, since you and I aren't a 501c3, um, you can- We will be. Yeah, someday. Um, the High Wire is a really good choice to donate to. So that's all I would just say about that. Okay. I have something I want to read you. Let's do it. I wish I could see okay. your face. It's just upsetting. I know. We'll, you want to we'll, try, try putting we'll it back on? Put, try putting yourself back on and see what happens. I will, but I have to read this off my phone first. So. Okay. Okay. Um, so Chris, Christine Marie, if you remember, she was the amazing midwife who was in Sudan, who everybody loved her episode. She sent me a private message. She sent me a few, but she sent me this private message the other day. She said, I am so loving your podcast. I have been going through older ones because I now have time to listen to podcasts since I'm not currently in the field. I heard one where you mentioned the case of the baby that was taken from parents in Florida because they had a breach born in a birth center and there was bruising on the baby's bottom Yep. and they were accusing accused by ER staff of hurting their baby. They went in for an unrelated thing. She says in parentheses, um, I was involved in that case. The mother called me to testify along with David, uh, Hayes. Um, but we never went to court. I wrote a deposition at the request of the attorney because the state was asking was asking what the experts were going to testify. Dave didn't have time to write his straight away, but the attorney sent mine to the state and it, as soon as he received it, they dropped the case the next day after six months. Anyway, this was gross overreach of the family is trying to sue DCFS. If you ever want to do a podcast about breach and bruising and swelling, call me. Recently, two baby boys had surgery on their testicles because the hospital thought something was wrong and they had to go in and check to make sure everything was okay. What the fuck? <laughs> now, because the hospital staff have so little experience with vaginal breach birth, they don't see the normal consequences of it, which admittedly can be quite extreme sometimes. Parents are getting in trouble, midwives are being reported, just not okay. We need to educate everyone about what is normal in breach. We have now added that to the uh, Breach Without Borders teaching. Okay, off my soapbox now, have a good day. May your heart and hands be blessed. And like everything else in our society right now, we put these people in charge. Stu, they went in and had surgery on the baby's testicles. Yeah, well, how do those other people get six? <laughs> how do they get? How do they get their reputation back in six months of their life? And by suing the department, the the child services thing, but they're just suing the taxpayer. These people aren't going to yeah. lose their job, and these people aren't going to be paying a penny out of their own pocket. No, but hopefully it gets some some coverage and and people, you know, the more the more that happens, hopefully, you know, you can't just roll over either. You have to try and do something to say that this is not OK, just no, like but, that. Man yeah, but you know, what? I, I would tell these people to sue each one of these individual child protective service people who they encountered, sue them personally. And even if it's going to get thrown out of court, these people are going to have to hire lawyers. And pay yeah. a lawyer to get it thrown out of court. And they're going to have to be made uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's time that these people, these idiots, these people that don't know about bruising on a baby's butt from breach because they just don't know anything and they're in charge, are made to be uncomfortable. Agreed. Okay. We could go on. I could, I could do a whole podcast on, on making people uncomfortable. And, and, and you know, it's stop. Not wanting to do that. I, 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 the, a couple that I met this week, um, they're very like-minded. They're not vaccinated. Uh, they want to have a natural birth. Um, but their family and friends are, you know, the same old story. Uh, uh, you know, they can't bring up these issues 
of the vaccine or home birth in front of the, these people. And I said, why? And I said, because they'll make it, they'll be make it, make it so uncomfortable. Well, then why are you, why do they matter to you? Why do these people still matter to you? You can't be yourself in front of your family members. Maybe those family members are not your, you're not your crew anymore. Yeah, it's maybe, hard. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah. But why are, why are you the one that has to kowtow to them? Why, why don't they, why don't you say to them, you know what? I made a logical decision. And if you want to support me, that's fine. If you don't want to support me, go pound sand. But people are afraid to speak up because they don't, you know, it's their, it's their nature. They don't want to um, be confrontational. But yeah. at this point, at this yeah. point, if you're not confrontational, you're going to get walked all over. You have to be confrontational. You can do it in the best way you know how, but you have to be confrontational. You can't not speak your truth anymore because it, that's how we yeah, got where, think, we, we, where we are. Yeah, I think, I think the point is you have to be willing to have the courage to speak your truth. And that does maybe feel like confrontation, but really it's just about being true to yourself. And it is hard sometimes in this current climate. I mean, I've lost family members. I don't mean yeah, they it, died. I mean, they, they are not um, people that I'm communicating with anymore, which is terribly sad. And it was a very hard thing to uh, let go of people that I was very close to, but that's, that's where it's at. And I, and I think you're right. I can't be myself. I feel very uncomfortable. I feel very judged. I feel very, um, you know, those labels of selfish and all of those things are put on you. And um, uh, I don't need it. I don't need it in my life. Yeah, it's time to turn the narrative around and and make your narrative the the, the truthful one, the, the proper narrative, and turn it around I think on time will, I think time will reveal. Oh, it truth. is. Yeah, it is. They're going to still deny it, like like people like that person you said, or somebody said that got, um, you know, got COVID. Uh, the president got COVID and explained it. Well, he's around a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I had chickenpox once, and I'm around a lot of people, and I haven't gotten chickenpox again. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, they'll 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 rationalize anything. Uh, okay, let's take a break for a moment and uh, let's tell you what I'm drinking right now, which is water mixed with raspberry salt. Because L-M-T. I am drinking Element, LMNT. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about LMNT, please. Me? Yeah. Okay. I'm switching um, it up. It is, it is a healthy electrolyte uh, drink that um is environmentally conscious like we love because it comes in a little packet and you can put it in your reusable water bottle and um it has all of the good stuff and none of the bs like us that's one of the reasons why we love it and um they've got some amazing flavors which Stu will tell you about and you know we they like to uh to advertise it for athletes and stuff like that but for our listeners um we love it for our pregnant mamas, for people in labor, for us as birth workers to have in our birth bag, because we all need um, these electrolytes, especially when it's hot outside. Um, so definitely check them out. We're so grateful that they support the podcast. Yeah, I took a bike ride this morning into a hiking trail, and then I went on a hiking trail. I got up early. Didn't want to get you. up early. I woke up early. So, um, But I packed in my, uh, my, my raspberry salt element uh, in my water bottle. And it was great. So it's, yeah, it is good. And it comes in great flavors. Besides uh, raspberry, it comes in grapefruit, watermelon, citrus, orange, mango, chili, lemon, habanero, and chocolate salt, as well as unflavored raw. Uh, so mm. if you go to Drink Element, that's drinklmnt.com, and use the code word birthing instincts, you will get 5%, uh, excuse me, you'll get a um, free sample pack. Uh, along with any order that you make. So that's uh, drinkelements.com. And the code word is birthing instincts. Thanks, Element. Thank you, Element. Okay, I have a letter here from Paris. That's a person, not a place. <laughs> and she writes, hello, Dr. Stewart. Dr. Stewart. Oh, she said Stewart. Yeah, I know. Well, 
Maybe she's from Paris. No, she's from Colorado, actually. Someone recommended reaching out to you. I'd like to know who. Uh, I wonder if they called me Dr. Stewart as well. <laughs> I'm expecting twins in August 23rd. So that's coming up. By the time this podcast comes out, I'll be right there. As I moved to Las Vegas to have a home birth, since my home state of Colorado wouldn't allow me to. <laughs> All right. So that gets back. Remember, remember what the theme is. Medical gaslighting and outright lying. I have a two-year-old little girl at home. So she's a multip with the same midwives. I'm 33 weeks and my twins are breech. I really want to have them at home regardless of breech or head down. Do you have any recommendations on how to achieve that? I sent her some information. She wrote me back and she said, two weeks later, she wrote me back and she said, my midwives booted me out of their care because of their insurance policies. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then we got, now we got insurance companies practicing medicine without a license. And their practice is and their practice is growing. I'm not sure what that means. I guess they're too busy, maybe. Although my midwife was comfortable doing a breach delivery, her insurance provider recommended her not to. Mm -hmm. So now you take mm -hmm. advice from your insurance provider as well as your neighbor who's walking her dog and the guy on TV selling shoes. Okay. I'm 35 <laughs> weeks and four days having to find someone now to deliver my breech baby. So now she's abandoned. Yeah. I found a lay midwife who has taken breech classes and only attended a couple twin and breech births. So I'm a little nervous about going with her. Would you recommend going with someone of her background? I have another midwife willing to take me on with skilled experience, but she doesn't come back from vacation until I'm 38 weeks. I'm having a hard time. Oh, this looks like the direction that it's going in. I can't remember where I heard something similar, where a licensed midwife had limitations with her licensure to be able to support somebody. And so then that, that woman or family let go of that licensed midwife and hired a, a traditional midwife. So probably, you know, someone in a state that doesn't have licensure. So I think that that's probably the, the future of what is going to happen is that, you know, the people who have licenses will be the ones that are, you know, more medical and have limitations and, and the more traditional, uh, you know, lay or however we're going to come up with a languaging that we can be able to unify and be able to recognize are going to be the ones that could, you know, really support women to just have physiologic birth that, that, you know, the government doesn't have their hands in it because the state shouldn't be able to tell you what you can do with your body. That needs to, that needs to be something that you do not tolerate. That is not okay ever. No, ever. No, it's again, yeah. it's, it's like the same thing that the decision about taking babies away or whatever else. These are the people that are in charge. And they, and they really, they really, I, you know, I guess it's, it really is the old saying that people who don't, who don't like doing stuff like being in administration mm -hmm. because they can't, they, that that's their jollies. That's how they get their jollies is telling other people how to do what they themselves won't do. And, um, you know, we've let them. Yeah. And uh, we're now, you know, so going outside of the system and, you know, if the system tells you that you're going to have to use a digital currency in the future so that they can monitor every transaction, people are good. People are going to go to cash if cash is still available or bartering or Bitcoin or some way to stay outside of these tiny little people who have been put in positions of power. Yeah. You know, it reminded me when you were telling that story, I'm watching this show called uh, Virgin River. And uh, it's really interesting because as I started to watch it, she's a woman who left Los Angeles to go to a small town uh, after having a loss. She lost a baby and her husband. Um, and so she was starting again. She goes to this small town and she's a midwife working for, with a doctor. <laughs> which I was like, oh my God, this feels like my story. Um, and so they had a course they had twins a woman she came in she was pregnant with twins and um and they were counts the midwife was counseling her and said well 
you know, it's very likely that you're, cause she wants this mom wants to have a home birth and the dad is very uncomfortable with it. And she says, well, you know, it is a higher risk with twins and one of them is probably going to be breached. And so we don't, you're going to have to have a cesarean. Oh, and no. I was like, no, no, I was hoping, <laughs> no, no. I was hoping they were going to go in the right direction. Oh man. No. Hollywood, so Hollywood, Hollywood. Knows the writers. Yeah, if anybody knows the writers for that show, I would love to talk to them about their responsibility in in propagating this this misinformation or lies, as she likes to say, about about birth. Because this is why we keep having the this misunderstanding about what is truthful. Um, so anyway, I was so I was so hopeful that they were going to give some some uh, outside of the box information, you know, outside of the normal perspective. And nope, they didn't. Was this season one? Two. Season two. Do you remember what episode or you don't remember? Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Sorry. Yeah, I watched. No, I watched the first couple episodes of season one and then I sort of lost interest in it. But maybe I'll I'll pick it up again. It's kind of it's kind of a girly romantic show, I think. I yeah. can see why. <laughs> yeah, that's why I lost interest. But it but it's it seemed like something I'd want to watch because of the idea. But then you're right. After the first two episodes, it really wasn't. I didn't get it. That was going to be. Uh-huh. That was more about her getting her life back together, which doesn't have to be set in the medical world. So, all right. Um, yeah. I had an article uh, from the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons about. Uh, leaky vaccines being used as an excuse to why um, they're surging uh, viruses again. But you know what? It's a little too complicated for the amount of time we have left. So I'm going to save that one. And I've got a few more things that I really want to talk about. One from our friends at the Down to Birth show. Yeah, and by the way, want, they want to have they want us to have them on our podcast. And I told already set a date for them in September. So I didn't get the chance to tell okay. you about that. But I'm going to have them on in September with you. And um, Cynthia writes uh, from her uh, to me through Instagram, newborns are far more likely. Oh, this is the skin to skin thing, right? Newborns are far more likely to thrive and survive when they are skin to skin on their mothers. They're more likely to regulate breathing, cool from a fever, warm if they're cold and flourish with endorphins rather than stress hormones. So let's make sure these two babies go off to Sacramento away from their mother for at least a couple of weeks. Okay, let's do that. Because that's because we're saving them from the mother who tests positive with COVID who isn't sick. All right. Yeah. The, right. The, the birthing mother is more likely to establish an easy first latch and less likely to develop postpartum depression later. And when her baby is removed, her body secretes hormones associated with grieving because every cell in her brain and body expects that baby to be with her. Oh, yeah. We should all consider it a point of modern culture's madness that babies are ever routinely separated from their mothers. We are the only mammal who labors with an awareness that we are about to become mothers. All the other mammals go into labor and have no idea that a baby is going to come out the other end. And that doesn't (laughs) matter because the moment that baby comes out, her instincts kick into high gear. Yeah. And I remember growing up in a suburb of Minneapolis where if there was a dog in labor or if there was a rabbit in the yard it was, that was, you know, in labor. And I was taught as a child, do not disturb the nest. Yes. It was a simple thing. Don't disturb the nest. Stay away. Leave them alone. Yes. So she goes on. She says, well, so do yours. So, I mean, uh, your instincts kick into high gear. If your baby is taken from you, even for a medically appropriate reason, and you feel you just might go out of your mind then you can consider that you that to be the you consider that to be the most sane moment of your life you have every right to refuse routine separation hospital policy is nothing but an umbrella of illusion hovering over you in legal terms it means nothing what you demand means everything practice trusting your instincts if everyone asked birthing and postpartum mothers what they need be it space silence hands on hands off food water, or the newborn baby in their arms, birth wouldn't be such associated with such trauma. In fact, many American hospitals are actually charging families now for skin to skin. Yep. 
Here's Sorry, a tip. My don't, language. Don't birth anywhere that perceives infant mother bonding to be a privilege. It's not. And the idea that they took these two babies away from a woman who tested positive for COVID, probably only reason she was tested for COVID is because the hospital tests everyone coming in with for COVID. Yeah. Even though the mortality of COVID in her age group is, is less than that probably of the flu, which they don't test for when you come into the hospital. This has become a cottage industry, a money-making deal, and it's driving insane policies, you know, masking. Again, I went to the dentist last week and I had to wear a mask. When I walked into the dentist's office, the minute I get back into the room, I take my mask off because they have to work on my teeth and things are spraying all over the place. You yeah. know, when, when they're like spraying your mouth and, and I, I just went in for a teeth cleaning, but there's lots of like droplets. Now the, the um, hygienist is wearing a face shield and, that, and that's appropriate for her. But you're telling yeah. me that me wearing a mask as I walk back out to the checkout desk makes a difference. And she says that they'll probably be doing that now forever. Yeah, I, I heard that from, from a doctor here too, that um, medical offices will do that forever. Which means I will probably almost never, ever go to a medical office anymore. I will, yeah. find, other, I will find other ways to treat things. Mm -hmm. There are. And you guys have yeah. a lot of wisdom for that. Yeah. Like if, if, you know, if something that I used to just treat with routinely with antibiotics, say like a yeast infection for with um, mycolog or some, uh, or some other cream or BV with flagell or uh, chlamydia with uh, azithromycin or doxycycline, if you're not pregnant, um, you know, I think I, I'll be looking into alternatives now. Now I can still call those in, even though it's, I now have to start doing it electronically, which is a pain, but in my state anyway. Um, and we talked about that on the previous podcast, but I, um, mm -hmm. I would, I would stay out of a doctor's office. I would stay out of a hospital, you know, uh, except for the rare things that hospitals are needed for. That's how I've always done it. Yeah. Well, a, lot of people, a lot of people yeah. don't, a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. And now going to the emergency room is, is the trauma is traumatic. I mean, it's traumatic enough going to the emergency room. But now you bring, yeah. you know, you bring your six-year-old who fell off his bike, maybe broke his arm. You know, both parents can't come in. Maybe one parent can come in. That parent has to wear a mask that, you know, they, they probably have to test the parent with a swab in their nose to make sure the parent can be with the child. Meanwhile, where's the child without the parent? And, uh, you know, it's, it's insane. All right. Uh, Rebecca writes about low-lying placenta. And I wrote down that they're about lack of choices. So she writes, hello. Thank you for replying. In short, safety of delivering at home when less than two centimeters away from the cervix, that's the placenta, is, is away from the cervix, uh -huh. less, less than two centimeters. I've had two previous successful home births. That's what her question is. And I'm pregnant with my third at 35 weeks. I have, not, I have a low-lying placenta and have an ultrasound last Friday. If my placenta is not two centimeters away, my midwives do not want me to birth at home. And most hospitals will mandate a C-section at that point. What's the theme of the podcast today? Gaslighting and lies. Yeah, gaslighting. That's good. That's a really good memory. Yeah, gaslighting and lies. I would love to birth at home, but everyone is scaring me into birthing in a hospital. And I'm trying to compile information to advocate for a home birth if I'm between one to two centimeters away, or if in a hospital to be allowed to at least try to labor and deliver vaginally. I mean, just listen to the language that this woman, poor woman is put into by, I'm yeah. gonna, I want to try or be allowed, scared. Mm -hmm. This is my profession. This is what we do. Yeah. This is the thing we're best at. We're best at scaring people. Terrifying people. <laughs> Terrifying people. You know, um, so the, the increased risk with uh, being so close to the uh, os is is bleeding, hemorrhaging, correct? Bleeding, correct. Mm -hmm. Leading to potentially to hemorrhaging. Yeah. So right. well, here's that would what be I the informed consent uh, I, I would give her. Yeah, here's what I wrote to her. I wrote, you should absolutely have the right to labor and see what happens. Yep. Ultrasound is notoriously unreliable at predicting these sort of outcomes. If you started bleeding heavily at home, in labor, you can always transport. 
It will never be that kind of bleeding that like where a placenta abrupts or something where you have, you know, minutes, you'll start bleeding like five centimeters, you'll be bleeding and the blood will be trickling out. And it's more than, you know, as again, as you guys, as an expert in normal birthing are going to look at that, you're going to go, Hmm, that's not normal. I think we should go to the hospital. And then you get in your car and you drive to the hospital. It's not even an ambulance type call. Okay. Yeah. Theoretically, greater risk of postpartum bleeding is, is true as the mm-hmm. lower uterus does not contract as well as the thicker upper part. Right. I would support you at a home, but each practitioner has to deal with their comfort level and the scrutiny of their community. So right. absolutely no reason why she can't see if she hasn't really had any bleeding at all during the pregnancy and they just found this on their 20 week scan and they've been following it and planting seeds of fear in the entire pregnancy. Um, there's no reason that this woman can't labor uh, at home and see what happens, but she has to find a, a yeah. caregiver that's going to support her with that. And, and, and where does she live? Um, you know, I don't know. Okay. I don't know, but yeah, unfortunately, by the time this comes out again, she might have already had to make that decision, but mm-hmm. you know, I, she knows and she can, she can write me back and, and I, she hasn't, but, but she's going to, I think, make the right decision, which is labor. And if you feel safer laboring in the hospital, just go in and tell them I'm going to labor in the hospital. Leave me alone. Yeah. Bring me something to eat. Go away. <laughs> Yes. You know, there's a, there's a a really uh, strong uh, doula who's been a doula for a really long time in Los Angeles. Her name is Judita. And I heard her say one time, which I absolutely loved. She said, I told the nurse, you need to go away. You are interfering with her labor. And, remember, you know, remember it, a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about the doctor who actually recognized that she was interfering with the VBAC. Yeah. And she said, I'm only going to cause grief. So I'm leaving. Yep. Right. So that was, that was a wise, a wise OB. Very wise. Okay. I got a couple more letters before we wrap up. Um, this one is from okay. Emily. This one's from Emily. And um, I, I highlighted one sentence in here. So I was scared into surgery. <laughs> so you can see where I'm going with this. Okay. Yeah. Hi, if you have time, I would like to pick your brain. I had an emergency C-section. I'll stop right there for a second. Yeah, that I was scared into. Right. An emergency C-section. We'll see how much of an emergency it was. Let's figure this out. In April of 2021, it was a horrible experience. My son was breech coming out feet first and six weeks early. So I was scared into Mm -hmm. surgery. Right. I was highly uneducated Mm -hmm. at the time, and I didn't know how to advocate for myself. Regarding the surgery, the doctors did a horrible number on me. Muscles that shouldn't have been torn were torn, and my uterine artery was cut. I was in physical therapy for five months trying to regain my strength. That failed, so I gave up. I'm still recovering. It hurts to sneeze, cough, strain my lower abdomen, uterus. Anybody that thinks it's a cesarean section is just another choice without complication. I'll, you know, I was going to say something nasty. I won't, but think again. I have to do the, I, these, these podcast lists where I go through these letters. I mean, I read these all week long, so I get riled up all week long, but when I, when I bring them all together in one place, it's hard, it's really hard to, uh, to look at the med, look at the medical model, look at the, um, industrialized medical complex as Nathan likes to call it and, and, uh, and say that they're doing a good job. I mean, the trauma, the, the surgical bursts, the misinformation, I'm not using that word, the lying um, the, um, and the gaslighting. Um, like the woman with the three feedbacks who was told it was against the law to have a feedback in, in, in California. Remember that story? Okay. So right. um, that failed, so I gave up. I'm still recovering. It hurts to sneeze, cough, or strain my lower abdomen or uterus. I, I have to do those annoying moves like bending over and putting pressure on my stomach to lessen the pain. I just recently found a lump in my right lower stomach area and I'm having to get the mass removed, okay? So another complication of this type of surgery 
is this mass. Now, I can't tell you what this mass is for sure, but I can tell you what it likely is. And it is likely incisional endometriosis. And this happens when you do a C-section and you get some of the endometrium from the uterus, which is the lining, and it gets in the incision and it survives. And then every month when you start having periods again, what does it do? It grows and bleeds and grows and mm. bleeds. And it forms a lump in your belly and it's called ectopic endometriosis is what it's called. Ultrasound was mm -hmm. done, but it was inconclusive. You know, I've seen this enough times to, to know, but I'm, I'm wondering, was it inconclusive or did they not think of it? Who did the ultrasound? Was it a radiology group that wouldn't, it wouldn't occur to them? But I was informed it may be a piece of my uterus that was, uh, le I can't read the left, oh, cut during surgery and floated into my abdomen over time. That's kind of close, but it's not exactly what would have happened. I won't know the truth until after the surgery. So now she needs a second surgery. That being said, and without knowing me personally, what are your recommendations on a home birth or birthing center in the future? Um, I know uh, some people are scaring me. I will hemorrhage and I'll die. And I'm in North Carolina. So I know midwives are illegal here. Should I go to term with my next baby? Are they head down? What are your thoughts? So she's just like rattling stuff off. Yes. Yeah, so she didn't talk about what kind of incision she had because she did have a baby six weeks early. Yeah, I would be low transverse. That's how okay. they would, it's the only way they would cut the uterine artery is by a low transverse incision. Okay. So my, my only comment about this particular story is, um, and I know, I know you're skeptical of the system in general, but, um, this was a, this was a breech baby, potentially footling that was six weeks early. So it is one of those potentially, even in your criteria would not have been someone who would be able to have vaginal breech delivery. Well, if I was, if, well, it, by age, by gestational age, may, maybe not at home, Small. but when they say the leg, when they say the feet were presenting, I still don't believe it. I believe it's a complete breach until proven otherwise. I know, but, but isn't that one of the risk factors is having a baby who is uh preemie, um, having the body slip through before the cervix is no, fully dilated. And there's good evidence that babies over 1500 grams, which is, which is three and a half pounds, anything over that uh -huh. that's not going to happen uh -huh. if you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But once again, it's, if you know what you're doing is like the key. And again, when they, when they do a C-section on her, did they, did they have to do it where they slashed and crashed and cut her muscle and cut her uterine artery to get a baby out before it fell out of her vagina? Um, was it really an emergency? Right, that's what make, it sounds like. Or did they really make it into an emergency because of their inability? We don't know, but I do know from yeah. experience that the, that's the likely scenario. And it wasn't that the baby was yeah. in distress. We never heard from her that the baby's heart rate was this or the cord had fallen out which would potentially make it more of an emergency. Yeah. Reach. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Chinese fire drill. Reach. Chinese fire drill. Right. Okay. So I said, yeah. your story is maddening. And when I hear all too often, the forum is not for giving individual medical advice, but should you go to term with a baby head down or breach, a VBAC is certainly the safest route and best for your baby, for you and for your future babies. Find a supportive, nurturing and skilled practitioner, preferably a midwife, even if you have to relocate in the eighth to ninth month, do not uh, let others fill you with fill you with fear. Your body is amazing, and that's what I try to tell people. Agreed. Great. Okay. Um, let's see. I got a I got a happy breach story, but before we do that, we need to talk about my favorite non obstetrical word: bamboobies. Bamboobies. Yay. You tell them about bamboobies today. Well, I can only tell you a little bit about bamboobies because I don't use the product myself. However, they have these uh, eco-friendly, is it eco-friendly? Yeah, eco-friendly using bamboo to make these breast pads and these cute t-shirts because they're cute and Bliss likes them because they're cute. And uh, they may, but they also have a, like a store on their website where you can get things like um, diaper rash spray or um, new beginnings, recovery tea or breastfeeding teas or salves and balms that you can use. So go to their website at bamboobies.com and take a look at their store. 
and, and support them because they support us. Um, do you have anything you want to add before I give the info? And we, I just want to apologize for anybody who tried to go on and order something. There was something going on with the code. And so if you did try and it wasn't working and you gave up, please try again because we did make sure and get that fixed. And uh, we really want to support Bamboobies and support the podcast. They're an awesome company. So go to bamboobies.com, use the code word instincts. This one's just instincts. And you get 25% off your purchase. So it's bamboobies.com, code word instincts for 25% off. Thanks, bamboobies. Thank you, bamboobies. I got you mid-coffee cup. Okay, <laughs> two more things. Okay, this is one letter from Lindsay. It's a it's a happy breach story. And I thought Yay. we should I thought we should have one of these in there because just for because it does happen. About this percentage of the time, actually. <laughs> okay. And we uh, like the happy stories, too. Yeah. Hi, Dr. Stu. I emailed you a while back about my breech baby, first time pregnancy in Louisville, Kentucky. I thought she'd flipped a head down due to several midwives, my chiropractor and acupuncturist, all feeling her as head down. I had an anterior placenta. Not sure, but that may be why they thought her head was a butt. Um, I found out two days before my due date that she was still footling breech. I don't think she's footling. I think she's complete again. Oh, with one leg curled under her and one leg up by her face. So that would be an incomplete breach, which is perfectly fine for a vaginal option. But the one home yeah. birth midwife I found locally who does breach deliveries will not attend if they're positioned like my daughter was. Due to staffing issue the week of my due date, my midwife suggested I schedule a C-section with the OB at the practice. I scheduled it for two days after my due date. Thought I was uncertain whether or not I was going to do the right thing, though I was uncertain or not I was going to do the right thing. Having a scheduled C-section was the last thing I wanted. I felt so defeated. My water broke on my due date, and I went into active labor shortly after. I requested an ultrasound to make sure she was still breech. That's brilliant. Because I told the story of the doctor at, in Oxnard who did a C-section for breech on a woman who wasn't breech. And, of course, she was. Yeah, thumbs up. I was able to get my preferred OB and my midwife in the OR. They allowed my husband and doula in the room. I was not at all what I planned. It was not at all what I planned, but my worst nightmare was really not that bad at all. My daughter's umbilical cord was about 12 inches long, and that may be why she was never able to flip. That's fairly short. Yeah, 12 inches, right? That's short? Yeah, foot. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know that. <laughs> 12 inches is a foot. Yes, that's correct. Uh, some feet Very are good. Some feet, some feet are bigger than others. All right. We are dozing. We are doing amazing postpartum. I'm writing because I think it may be important to feature a quote, when shit doesn't go your way, you can still have an amazing birth, unquote, segment in the podcast. And I agree. <laughs> I love it. I became so obsessed with letting nature run its course and refusing all interventions that I wasted a lot of time worrying about the what if, if of a cesarean while pregnant? In the end, it wasn't the end of the world or the end of a gratifying birth. And that's from Lindsay. So that's great. Wonderful. Thanks yeah. for sharing. Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay. Okay. So um, lastly, I want to finish up the today's theme of medical gaslighting and outright lies um, with an update from ACOG and a article about the medical students at the University of Michigan. So ACOG, uh, in their update they sent out uh, the last week of July, um, has this thing which is ongoing, which I've mentioned before, but they have a program they call Inform to Empower, Building COVID-19 Vaccine Confidence One Conversation at a Time. Introducing the ACOG Immunizations Team newest training initiative, a series of six training videos consisting of tools and resources to assist clinicians in promoting vaccine confidence among pregnant people. So the leading organization in the United States for doctors who take care of pregnant women has put an educational thing together to convince doctors, to convince women to, who are pregnant to take a vaccine that essentially has been shown not only have uh, not worked real well, but have negative e efficacy and unknown potential damage to fetuses, 
now and in the future. But this is your ACOG. Yes. This is your ACOG doing that. So you can get patient education videos from ACOG also um, to tell for patients to get your recommended COVID-19 vaccine or get your recommended Tdap vaccine during pregnancy or get your recommended flu vaccine during pregnancy. So ACOG has gone all in on all the vaccines that you can give a pregnant woman um, saying that they're safe and effective and nowhere in any of their literature do they talk about any of the known risks of these vaccines, the unknown risks of these vaccines. And all they do is inflate the minimal, if any, benefit, which is almost non-existent for all three of them. And I can quote data on all three, the flu, the Tdap, and of course the COVID vaccine. Can your doctor quote data supporting the use of these things besides saying, well, if you get COVID when you're pregnant, you might get really sick because that's what they'll say. Well, you say, well, what is the chance of me getting COVID when I'm pregnant? And then of those people that get it, how many get really sick? And I can guarantee you they will not know the answer to that because ACOG's teaching hey. doesn't tell you that. Yeah. So I just came up with an idea for something that you could have as a giveaway. I think that you should write a document that people can take to their doctors that has information, something tangible. Yeah, okay. That would be great. Yeah. All right, so you're giving me an assignment. I'm telling you, it would be great because it's going to it's going to it's going to give people information that can counter all this BS. And you're the guy to do it, man. Yeah, and they can also they can also take a copy of my uh informed consent to a forced cesarean section too. <laughs> Cuz that one I've already written. Great. Yeah. 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 Um we'll, okay, we'll last talk more thing. about this, Stu, but I have a good uh, This is a good idea. Yeah, it is a good idea. It'd be a good idea for me to have a whole series of these things, even even like videos or whatever. So, yeah, that's going to be. I'll support I support you. I think, I'll help you with it. Okay, I think once I finish the project I'm working on right now, which is the twins paper with Rixa, and then you and I have a project that we've been talking about for a while that we want to do, which is write a book. Yes. So yes. somewhere in that in that mix, we could probably do this. If I had a videographer and somebody to just direct me a little bit, like a director, I could sit in front of a video camera for 10 minutes and give off this sort of data or even, or even write something up where I put in references, that sort of thing for people. I could do that, but I, I need direction because I'm, I'll be I'm, your director. I'm sort of wandering right now. I'm having too much fun. I'll be your director. Right. <laughs> So thanks for listening, everybody. This has been uh, a podcast that really, I can't help it. This is the mail that I get. The patients are being gaslit. Our clients are being gaslit. And they're being outright lied to. You can't do this. It's illegal. You're not allowed. Um, right. So we just have to keep pointing it out. It makes my job fairly easy every week. And um, we hope that you enjoyed listening. And we'll see you next week unless Bliss has something to say. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Yep. Drink Element and use bamboobies. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Birthing Instincts podcast. We know that we all lead busy lives, so we are extremely grateful that you give us an hour of your time each week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest updates and reviews. To help others join us, you can find Dr. Stu at Birthing Instincts and Bliss at Birthing Bliss Midwifery on Instagram. 